Have you ever wondered who is doing the research that will impact your future? The Research Made Possible podcast lets you meet those people and learn how research, scholarship, and creative activity at the University of Kentucky is changing what's possible in Kentucky and beyond. Here's Alicia Gregory, Director of Research Communications. Today, we meet Isabel Escobar. She's a professor of chemical and materials engineering in the UK College of Engineering, and she works in the Center of Membrane Sciences. With funding from the Kentucky NSF EPSCoR, Escobar and Eric Woldridge at Somerset Community College are making 3D printed membrane filtered face masks to inactivate the COVID-19 virus. I have spent the majority of my life working on membrane filtration, improving membrane filtration, and usually with the focus of providing water to the world, providing access to water, and now also just building on the filter capabilities themselves for other applications. I'm originally from Brazil, and growing up, there was a, a large cholera outbreak in Brazil, and I remember as a little girl, seven, eight, nine years old, right around there, a scene where the outbreak started by the Amazon River, and all the cities that were getting the cholera going one by one, and I lived in Rio, and then when it finally came down to how simple it is to prevent death, is you make a saline solution. You need boiled water, high quality, high purity water. Uh, and then you put salt and you put sugar. And that keeps you alive. And that just struck me so much that uh, ways to clean water, that keeping clean water to the world, uh, access to water is really important. And then uh, while I was getting my degrees, I came across membrane separations, filtration. And I thought, hey, that's the one. That's the one that can do it. How does this skill set apply to this urgent COVID-19 related PPE problem that you're now looking at, including face masks? You know, I make these filters that are absolutely phenomenal. They can remove everything. When we're talking about water, they can remove everything that we want. What we target, we can make there, we have a strong, a, a lot of control over the pore size, over the surface, over what it all looks like. So my first thinking was, I would never make these membranes out of a, of a regular solvent, a regular toxic solvent. So we're using all of the work the last five years that I've been doing on non-toxic solvents, on green solvents, bio-derived solvents. So this is essentially replacing something like acetone, right? That is incredibly toxic uh, with something that is bio-derived, it's not toxic. So I thought to myself, well, that's step one. When we've made those membranes, we know how they work. Then I thought to myself, I made all of this work over a decade working with silver nanoparticles and silver nanoparticles are highly antimicrobial and they're highly antiviral. We know how to obtain medical grade silver nanoparticles because again, toxicity levels. And in so many ways, I started thinking and just doing some research at first on pure membranes as a filter, they would, they would collapse. It would be thinner than a thin fabric layer. So when you're breathing, that would go into your mouth, out. If you're breathing strongly, that it could rip. And I thought there was a mechanical strength issue there. How can I make this strong? How can I find this support that would be able to withstand the pressure? And that's how I was 
telling the people from the KY App Score about another grant. And I just ended the email saying, hey, if you know of any connections or anything or any funding or any work um, that could complement this that I have, it would be great. And then soon after, Jeff Mercy and Rodney Andrews came back and they said, yes, we do. We know somebody. And then it's the these 3D printed supports. They're on polypropylene, so just regular plastic, like the same plastic uh, at any store that sandwiches come in. I love the fact that the 3D printed supports for us are from a collaboration with a community college. Uh, community colleges are so often put down and I think this elevates their importance. This shows that without the help of a community college, this project would not have been possible. So it shows that um, we are all together an intellectual force. It opens doors, it opens the possibilities. When I talk about support, I'm talking about a lattice. Eric Woodridge, he makes them. He can make them on the design that we want. So right now we're trying a bunch of designs. And then we'll be able to cast the membrane directly on top of that. And now we have the mechanical strength. The membrane will plug some of the holes, but not completely. And now we'll have control over making that fairly small, targeting what we want. And the beauty of the 3D printing is that it can be done quickly. It can be done cheaply. He is sending me a number of designs right now, and we're going to start testing them. And then I'm going to tell him these were the ones that work best. Let's focus on this. And let's see if we can make them a little smaller. Let's target this size. And he can just go. He can tell the computer. He can tell the software what he wants, what I want, and we can just start building on that. So it's that feedback loop that you don't have when you're making something. Uh, for example, if I'm making a, a polymeric base to go over, you know, you're making these things. It could take days, months. And then with the 3D printed masks, we would put it on that little hole on a support. That is perfect. That should be Based on all of the idea and the theory and the hypothesis, that should give everything that we need. The virus is about 120 nanometers in size. In the world of membranes, that's large. That's a really large um, particle, microorganism, virus. And even more so, it's not going to come as a virus by itself flying in the air. It's going to come in the saliva, uh, so it's going to be a much larger particle. And so now we have the small filter and a large particle. It's just not going to go through. But the silver nanoparticles are there for the passive disinfection. So the virus arrived. It came. It's now right here is the virus. Well, the silver nanoparticle is right there to interact with, um, with the shape, right? Uh, the virus, the coronavirus, it has the crown. And it has proteins, the glycoproteins on the crown. It interacts with that and it prevents them from binding and attaching. And it makes it have to end its useful life faster and it inactivates itself. So we're going to test out certain amounts of the material so that we have control of the size. So we're going to test several different pore sizes and we're going to test different quantities of the nanoparticles. 
So I know you haven't been at the University of Kentucky very long. Can you kind of tell me the story of how you ended up here? Oh, yeah. It involves DB in a big way. Uh, by the way, I have to say, uh, he is probably one of the people that I respect the most in the world and probably one of uh, the most brilliant minds alive. But back in 2014, um, when they just received the previous EPSCOR grant, uh, I was at a meeting with DB, and DB had been a mentor in my career uh, since I started uh, as a faculty member. I started in 2000, and I believe I met him in 2003. And I went through, I got through associate professor, full professor at the University of Toledo. And we were at this conference at the North American Member Society. And it was morning, I was returning for a run and I think he was going for breakfast. And he just grabs me by the arm and he says, we just got this really large grant at the University of Kentucky. We want to hire uh, a senior professor, a, a more senior person. Are you interested? And I was like, whoa okay good morning uh, and so he he eventually he's like okay well tell me so we started talking a lot more about it and uh, i came for a couple of visits and my husband came for a visit with and we learned a lot about it and um the level of how collaborative the university of kentucky is within the university of kentucky and thanks and then thanks to the EPSCOR on top of that with universities in Kentucky, to me it was like I can now bring my work to the next level. I can say goodbye to just you know doing these small things and then moving on to the next. To really be at a project like this, I would I have absolutely said, well, there's nothing that I can do. I'm out. But now, just from the collaborative nature of all of the research that's done in this state. It's absolutely something that I had never experienced with. And it just drew me, it was like this giant magnet. And in interacting with DB, uh, he is somebody that uh, uh, we have projects together, but we have a lot of projects uh, through the Center of Membrane Sciences. He's the director and I'm the associate director. And we just, we bounce ideas all the time. So it's this, vetting wall of just ideas and let's just keep going. Our graduate students are brilliant and amazing. Our undergraduate students are just, there's something else. I have worked now in five years with more undergraduates than I had in my previous 15 years. And I'm publishing with them and they want to learn. And I just love that about the University of Kentucky. And that's why um, in the College of Engineering, there is a position that opened to be director of undergraduate research scholars program. And I'm co-director of that because it was like, yes, our students want to do research and they're intelligent and they're involved and all of the intellect that's in this university. I love it. What would you say that UK has to offer in this COVID-19 crisis? And is that based on the collaborative nature of this place? I think that UK has everything to offer from beginning to end. One, we have a phenomenal hospital, an absolutely phenomenal hospital with a staff that is unmatched. It's just their level of knowledge, their ability to handle crises with a lot of poise and elegance. The way that the university puts students at the forefront in their safety, the students and the staff, when it comes to research, all of the lines of research that are happening from the social 
scientists, uh, science research through, I believe, the first NSF rapid that uh, the university received that's addressing all of uh, the, the global aspects of the response to people doing the chemical side of things like DB and I and others to those working on the epidemiology side and the pharmacy side. I think that we are, we're, we're positioned to offer everything. Thank you for listening to the Research Made Possible podcast. To subscribe to our podcasts on SoundCloud or iTunes, search University of Kentucky Research Media and click news on our site, research.uky.edu.